Maybe it was Roberts. Maybe it was Thomas. Could it be Satan? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a rewired newsbeat podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is fired up for sweaty SCOTUS season. And by fired up, I mean dreading it. I'm Rewired News Group's senior editor of Law and Policy, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo, Rewired News Group's executive editor. Rewired News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to take up a summer hobby. Like Amani did with gardening. And the Boom Lawyered podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So we had a holiday that didn't feel like a holiday. We just sort of rolled right into things. Mm -hmm. But the good news is over at Rewire News Group, we've just, like the Energizer Bunny, kept on keeping on. So if you haven't had a chance, please go over to the site. We have published some amazing stuff. Like, you don't need to rebuild the anti-network. It's already there, for example. So check it out. Please, rewirenewsgroup.com. And as we are building up to the Dobbs decision, there's going to be even more stuff. We've got a piece coming up from Steph Black on how to protect your uh, digital privacy. Increasingly important. So we've got that coming up real soon. Look for that as well. So it's been about a month since the leak that shook the world. And I I recall at the time, lo, those many years ago, that we were going to try to focus on the issues, right? Right. We were going to remain above all the palace intrigue nonsense, Mm -hmm. talk about what really matters. Like the fact that this month, Roe versus Wade is going to be reversed and the constitutional right to an abortion will no longer exist. Mm -hmm. So we were all like, leak, schmeek, nobody cares. Who cares? I don't care. You don't care. Nobody should care. Let's talk about abortion rights. Well... Shit is getting real. And so we kind of have to care now. Yeah. I mean, the Supreme Court has launched an investigation that is heating up to such an extent that clerks are considering lawyering up. What? Because, yeah, no, get this. The investigation may require Supreme Court clerks to turn over their phone records and their text messages to determine whether or not they were involved in this leak. This is wild. It's uh, almost unprecedented. And so let's dig into it. Let's talk palace intrigue today, ooh. right? Let's talk about the political fallout of the leak. Let's talk about whether or not the leaker committed a crime. Ooh. Are they going to be incarcerated, thrown under the jail, put in a castle like the maid in the iron mask? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. (laughs) What weird times we have. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there we were enjoying my first dinner out in a restaurant since the pandemic. Really, truly. And this draft opinion overturning Roe versus Wade leaked. And, you know, we collected ourselves and then immediately we're like, okay, who did this? <laughs> who did this? Maybe it was Roberts. Maybe it was Thomas. You know, could we it were... be Satan? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I have had Dana Carvey in my head for a while now, and I'm not sure why. Gen Xers, you get it. The rest of you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like we really, we, you know, as Amani said, we were really trying to be like, no, 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 the, pal- the palace intrigue doesn't matter. We got to focus on the merits of what the court is doing, and it's bad. But now we don't really have a choice, huh? Right. We don't have a choice. I do recall my initial thought being, I don't think it was going to be any of the female justices, their clerks, right? Because Mm -hmm. they understand what it's like to work for a female jurist, right? They understand that these women are under a microscope more than their male counterparts. I don't think the clerks are going to be that daft. Right. Breyer, why would Breyer leak it, right? He's on his way out. He's an institutionalist. I don't think that, I think everyone who works for Breyer knows that like you don't do shit like that. Right. And besides, he's got KBJ coming in, right? Mm -hmm. Katachi Brown Jackson is on her way in. Like what would be the point? Right, right. I mean, that's exactly it. The point is we don't know. But Chief Justice John Roberts, man, he is not happy. This is not making him look good. He promised that the court was not a political institution, and here it is completely off the rails. And so his response is to call for an investigation into the leak. That already raised some eyebrows. But then this bombshell news dropped last week that the Supreme Court clerks are being asked to turn over their phone records, which... What? I'm sorry. That's, I mean... That's that seems like a lot. That seems like a, a, a gross invasion of privacy for something that may or may not be a crime. Like yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, it's it's really there's a lot to dig into here. All I know is that I hope some of these people had the God given sense to use burner phones <laughs> because I barely know what a burner phone is. But I know that if you're committing crimes, you got to get one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get burner phone, get burner phones, do crimes. <laughs> I mean, but this is the open question, right? Was there a crime committed? If the leaker did not use a burner phone, are they hosed? Is there a crime here? I mean, I think it depends, right? Okay. Like, there's no crime for leaking a draft opinion, right? There's no USC code section 3-4 that says thou shalt not draft leak draft opinions. That doesn't exist. And it's not like it's a classified document, right? There are rules regarding disclosure of classified documents. This isn't like a CIA intelligence analysis report of any kind. Okay. So, So, So first level there. Okay, but like what if they committed a crime in connection with the leak? All right, so stick with me for a second here. Okay, okay. What if, say, someone hacked into someone's computer, for example, or like Watergate, they broke into someone's office and stole a document off their desk? Well, in terms of being hosed or not hosed, I'm going to go with that person would probably be hosed because that's a crime, right? Like hacking a computer, that's a crime. Stealing shit, that's a crime. So I guess it depends on how savvy this leaker was when they went about leaking. Okay, so I'm guessing that this person works for one of the highest levels of government and they're probably not doing something like picking a lock and and <laughs> taking a you know draft opinion off somebody's desk. But there might still be some federal law that applies here, right? So, oh, this is a little sexy, Imani. Oh, Lord, here we go. What's going on? What about USC Section 641? Ooh. That is conversion of stolen government property. Conversion of stolen what? Right? Okay, (laughs) conversion of stolen government property. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? USC 641 prohibits the theft or misuse 
right? So that could be yes. important. A federal government, quote unquote, things of value. Gotta okay. love Congress that writes a statute that says you can't misuse things of value. Yeah, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> like, what is a thing of value? <laughs> that belongs to the federal government and it's important. Therefore, yeah. you can't misuse it. That's what it means. All right. Great but statute, this guys. part of the federal code has generally been used to prosecute leakers. And these are the kinds of things that the federal government would look at in considering whether or not to bring charges under 641. Was there was the disclosure the type of theft or conversion and government produced or held information that we would think of as government property, right? So is a draft opinion something that is government produced and to be considered government property? Okay. I mean, it's government produced, right? right? Like the judiciary is a branch of government. Right. And it's government held information that wasn't supposed to be disclosed. So, okay. I mean, that's the question, right? What if the disclosure of one of the most consequential Supreme Court opinions in modern history is considered theft of government property? I mean, I would imagine this is why some of these clerks are lawyering up. Yeah. Right. Like you just think that, hey, I'm just leaking this thing because for whatever reason, whether it's left because or right, I'm a whistleblower, I think it's left. Right. I'm a whistleblower. Exactly. So let's say that this person is a whistleblower. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine being like, shit, all I did was leak an opinion. Now they're coming at me with 641 USC 641 conversion of stolen property. What? Yeah. So, right. But, but here's my question. OK. You, like you alluded to this nonsense phrase, things of value. Like, what does it mean to be a thing of value? What does it mean to misuse a thing of value? Well, the good news is we have the federal courts to answer that question, Amani. That's not good news because I'm sure they don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> I mean, if you can't sense the sarcasm, but the, the courts <laughs> the courts have actually taken a look at this. And would it shock you to know that they can't agree on whether or not 641 applies to information and if it does, what the scope of that is. So well, basically, slap my booty and call me Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally stealing that. But no, there is this open question of what this of what the scope of uh Things are under what the scope of things are. Here are lawyers. This is what lawyers do, people. But seriously, it we is. debate what the scope of things are. But whether or not information constitutes a thing of value, some yeah. federal courts have said that 641 includes all information produced by the government, which that's wild. That's that blows lot. my mind. Yeah, and even some privately produced information, like some which sort of like wilder. government private, you know, contract there. Other courts have said information can't be a thing of value, right? Like, so, I mean, it's it's a big intellectual property fight and with criminal implications. It's it's a mess. And I feel bad for those clerks. So here's where it gets interesting. I did a little bit of poking around mm -hmm. for this episode and I ran into a note written by a Columbia law student in 2014. And for those of you who didn't go to law school because you're smart, a note is if you are on law review, which is that big muckety muck, mm -hmm. very exciting, very prestigious thing that you can do, you have to write a note. It's basically kind of like a law school thesis, yeah. I would say, right? Yeah. Sometimes they get published, sometimes they don't, but you got to write one. I wrote one. I, don't, yep. I wrote one on healthcare, actually. Women in healthcare. Imagine that. At any rate, so Jessica Lipkenhaus, she's a Columbia student. She wrote this really interesting note about leakers, prosecution of leakers under Section 641. Uh-huh. And her note led me to a case called U.S. versus Collins out of the D.C. Circuit. 
Now, this case is actually kind of funny. In U.S. versus Collins, there was an intelligence officer who was using a federal computer system to track his ballroom dancing calendar. What? Yeah, he was a ballroom dancer, and they had this really intricate system that enabled him to track his ballroom dancing competitions and meets. I guess they don't have ballroom dancing meets, like track meets. (laughs) Ballroom dancing extravaganzas. And so he got got under Section 641, and he argued that use of the government computer wasn't tangible property, right? Okay. And the D.C. Circuit said, well, no, actually... This conversion of government property applies to intangible property as well. It applies to computer systems, uh-huh. which are intangible property, even though the computer itself is tangible, but the actual system, the which network. was, yeah, yeah, the network was intangible. And therefore, information like a Supreme Court opinion, I mean, is it tangible? Is it intangible? Are the ideas in the Supreme Court opinion tangible or intangible? The D.C. Circuit has said the six, that 641 should be read broadly. And if these Supreme Clerks are prosecuted, aren't they going to be prosecuted in the D.C. Circuit Court? I mean, I mean they, they'll be prosecuted in the, you know, yeah. the district court, but the appeals court yeah. will be the D.C. Circuit Court. So that's where they'll end up. And then maybe they'll end up at the Supreme Court. Can you imagine the Supreme Court hearing a case involving the prosecution of Supreme Court clerks who may have leaked a Supreme Court opinion? I mean, this court is so lawless, I actually can imagine them hearing that case. This is blowing my mind uh, in so many ways because, I mean, really the central question is, are the the holdings of the majority in this Dobbs draft opinion, is that intangible government property? This is the most law professor question I think we've asked ever on this podcast. Yeah. But it's a critical question. It is. I mean, it's if this investigation leads to prosecution, that's what is going to be argued that government opinion is, you know, the ideas in this opinion, which, you know, it's not the leak of the paper that was the problem. It was the leak of the ideas. And those ideas are not tangible. Right. So what happens? I don't know. I find it fascinating. There's a professor at Berkeley School Uh of Law, Bolt, as they call it, um, Oren Kerr. Yep. And he argued, (laughs) heard of him. He's a a person that we've heard of. He's actually kind of a luminary. Yeah, he's a big, kind of a big deal. He's a big guy. He's kind of a big deal. He's got many leather-bound books and his office smells of rich mahogany. At any rate, he said that 641 would likely be the best avenue to convict someone, but Uh he thinks that it's unlikely. Right. Like, I mean, are they really trying to prosecute leakers or are they just going to try to figure out who leaked it and then just fire them? Right. Or make sure they can't practice law again. Like, are they really going to throw some 20 something Supreme Court clerk in prison? I don't Ah. know. So I have a question for you since you were you were on the interwebs and the Googles uh, getting ready for this episode. Has this happened before? This sort of leak has got to be unprecedented. I mean, I know when I saw it, I was like, what the holy hell? I thought it was unprecedented, too, until I came across this really interesting article by by a person named Chinwe Chukwogo, and I hope I'm getting that person's name right, but they're at University of Chicago. Okay. And the article is about a clerk who was leaking Supreme Court opinions at the turn of the century, the turn of the 20th century, to Wall Street traders. I'm sorry, Wall Street traders? What? Wall Street traders, yes. So get this. This is actually kind of juicy. Okay. So there was a clerk 
named Ashton Embry. Hold on. Yeah. Ashton Embry? <laughs> Ashton Embry. That is maybe the most Supreme Court clerk name I have yet to hear. Anyway, A- continue. Ashton Embry. And he was a clerk to Justice Joseph McKenna. Okay. He left the court in 1919. 1919. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. To become a full-time baker. He decided, okay. you know, you know, fair enough. Sometimes <laughs> you got to leave your job and become a full-time baker. But he left a lot of drama in his wake. Okay. So a few months after Ashton Embry <laughs> resigned, the Department of Justice indicted him for sharing the court's opinions with Wall Street traders before those decisions were officially released, which in some cases allowed the Wall Street traders to make trades, insider trading, quote unquote, insider trading, like and make money before information was public. Right. And this was before the SEC. Like there was no real insider trading rules. There was no real way to deal with this. But the DOJ built a real solid case against Ashton Embry after it linked him with a bunch of these really suspicious stock transactions that basically seemed to predict in one instance the court's decision to void a patent, this major railroad patent in a major railroad case, United States v. Southern Pacific Railroad. Get out. No, I shall not. This? (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah. Like, the case fell apart, ultimately, but this was before the 1929 crash, right? Before the SEC was formed. So there were no insider trading laws. It was just the wild, wild west of, like, white dudes and railroad barons just, like, making shit tons of money with zero regulation or oversight. I I don't even know what to do with this information. That sounds like a pretty decent analogy to what could happen here, right? Like, Yeah, one would think. That's wild. So leaking opinions to Wall Street traders who were then acting on it. What if yeah. you're leaking an opinion to try and lock it in so that then you can signal to conservative state lawmakers that, you know, it is open season on all sorts of sexual privacy rights? Precisely. I mean, that's what we discussed a little bit. Like, what if this leak was an effort to provide cover for conservatives to get people prepared a couple of months in advance before Mm -hmm. the actual decision dropped? Right. Like, what if this was an effort at damage control? Okay. wow. Let's get back to our boy Ashton Embry. So the Department of Justice charged Embry with conspiring to, quote, deprive the United States of its lawful right and duty of promulgating information in the way and at the time required by law and at departmental regulation. So basically they charged him with depriving the United States of producing this information at the time that it saw fit. And in a way, you know, that was, uh, that was bolstered by law and whatever regulations govern this sort of thing. Right. Just like that seems like on point. On point, that seems very, very apropos, given the situation we're dealing with now. Ultimately, the case fell apart because the lawyer at the DOJ himself became embroiled in a scandal. <laughs> he was accused, though, get this, he was accused of conspiring with Germans in World War I. I mean. <laughs> so that happened. And then J. Edgar Hoover started investigating him. Oh, boy. And we all know what a peach of a oh, guy boy. he was. <laughs> And so ultimately, this guy, this lawyer, was just too much of a liability. Embry had already pieced out and was baking, maybe getting ready for the Lochner case. Huh? I'm sure. Huh? And then, so, yeah, that's, it just all fell apart. But 
Like, I was really surprised to read this article because I had no idea any of this had ever happened. There's so much rich history when it comes to the Supreme Court, especially Supreme Court justices that pretty much no one has ever heard of, like Joseph McKenna. Seriously, that guy's an enigma. What? Yeah. Who is that guy? So this is super fascinating. And I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah. No, actually, I have, a, I have a couple questions for you, right. Amani. Right. I have a lot of questions. All right. I've got questions. Are any of the Supreme Court justices being asked to turn over their phones in all of this? And if no, why not? Because uh, that seems important. And what about Ginny the insurrectionist in all of this? We know she had access to clerk information. Why wouldn't she have access to this? What is going on? Honestly, the only thing I could think of is that, you know, this is a body of people that find that that, that they basically are above the law, right? Yeah. There are no rules of ethics that govern their behavior. They can decide to recuse themselves or not. As we saw with with with, with our homie Thomas, he decided to go ahead and rule on some, some of the Jan 6 cases, even though his wife was, you know, hot texting Mark Meadows. Why did I say hot texting? <laughs> hot texting Mark means. Meadows. I don't know what that means, but it sounds gross. So I... It seems to me that if you I'm are... I'm not going to recover from that. I don't, I don't think I'm going to either, so let's just breeze by it. But it seems to me if you are launching an investigation to determine the source of a leak, yeah. then you should be investigating anyone who could have had a hand in that leak, mm -hmm. not just the clerks. Like, why are we assuming that it had to be clerks? Absolutely. Because these Supreme Court justices are so ethical and so, I don't know, it just... Right. These people are not ethical. We are not dealing with a court that is full of ethical people who are following the rules, even though they're not beholden by rules, but following common sense, following a sense of this is the Supreme Court. It's, it's an institution that we should respect. Mm -hmm. They Absolutely. don't even respect their own institution. Why should we? Yeah, no, you're, you're proving my point with those questions, which is that the Supreme Court clerks should not be strong-armed like this, right? If this was a legitimate investigation, then everyone and anyone with access to that opinion should be asked to participate in it. And that would include the justices and maybe even the spouses of those justices like Ginny Thomas. So that's how we know this is... An, investi an investigation, quote, in quotes. Right. And think about it. Like, I'm sure, you know, Clarence Thomas spends a few hours at home after dinner, you know, typing shit out on his laptop, typing about how he hates abortion and Margaret Sanger was trying to murder black people and Planned Parenthood is the devil. And I'm sure Jenny Thomas has got her glass of brandy and she's uh -huh. just you know, peeking over his shoulder like you can't like I'm not married. You are. But I imagine you talk to your husband about a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I see married people. They talk to each other. I have really close friends that I talk to about a lot of stuff. Partners that I talk to about a lot of stuff. It is not conceivable to think that Ginny Thomas doesn't know which way the wind is blowing when it comes to Roe. And so it seems to me, if you're doing an investigation, yoke everybody up. Absolutely. Put them all in separate rooms and then make them get their story straight. Absolutely. And again, you are, you know, segueing right into the other point that I really wanted to make about the leak in the investigation. And that is that, you know, the leak and the substance of the opinion actually do have something in common. And, and I alluded Ooh. to it at the top of the show. And that's they both show a total disregard for the law and our norms, right, from the court. This is all about using abortion as a power grab for other rights. They've been coming for 
our privacy rights for a long time. And they know, conservatives know, that people getting squishy about abortion is the easiest domino to knock over. And so that's what they're doing. And it's like, they're not even hiding anymore. Right. If you cared about norms and you still wanted to overturn Roe versus Wade, you wouldn't have had this leak happen. Right. This leak happens if you don't care about norms, if you no longer give a shit about the rule of law and democracy. That's how this happens. Well, that's dark. <laughs> but Happy it's true. June, everyone. Happy June, man. Happy sweaty SCOTUS season. It's really all right. It's, it's just already a doozy, isn't it? It is. Well, if you'd like to talk to us about any of this stuff, if you'd like to. Ashton Embry, though. Ashton Embry. Good Lord. That, that Ashton Embry grew up in the Hamptons, I feel like. Well, no, it was 1919. Did they have the Hamptons? Did the, did the Hamptons exist in there? I don't, I don't know, know. But he, he grew up on, on like Martha's Vineyard, nice large estates, Definitely. hanging out with the Rockefellers type of thing. Yes. But if you'd like to talk to us about Ashton Embry and his... Uh, <laughs> and, his and the robber barons. <laughs> and the robber barons. You can find me on Twitter at Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. Please check out our content at rewirenewsgroup.com. It is quote unquote popping off, as they say. <laughs> Why did I just say it like that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Follow us on all of the things. Twitter, Rewire News Group. Instagram, Rewire, Rewire, Rewire News Group. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and stop talking now because I am off the rails. What are we going to do, Jess? We will see you on the tubes, folks. See you on the tubes, folks. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason-Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Filetti produces the show. 